I'm here now with Mr. Alex Gomez. Alex is a writer for his own blog, Cyberskrilla, and also a writer for NFTs at 1.37 p.m. Alex, how is your day going so far? What's up, Benjamin? My day is going great. I actually just got out of a meeting um, with some of my colleagues at 1.37 p.m. before this about a couple articles that um, we're working on. So, yeah, I mean, my, my day was great. I've, I wrote two articles and that was about it. Yeah, let's kind of go into that, uh, I guess. So how do you, and you? I know you write a lot of articles because I follow both CyberSquilla and 1.37 p.m. and there's always stuff coming out. How do you, and they're very like abstract things that you wouldn't normally think how, you know, the, the story behind this this random project here or or what is the bacon blockchain? You know, they're, they're very abstract things. So can you kind of walk me through that thought process from I have an idea for an article to getting it published? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, like as far as getting ideas for my articles, um, a lot of it will come just from spending time on Twitter and in the community. Um, like the way I found, actually, I found the bacon blockchain for example, or the bacon protocol rather, um, on a podcast that I listened to about a year ago. And I just happened to remember it, um, like a couple months ago. And I was like, Oh man, the bacon protocol is like, that was something I thought was really cool. Um, so, you know, that's how I kind of got into that. And then really with that one, I just kind of read over their white paper and, um, find all their social medias and see if they have any good context about what they're doing there. And then from there, I just kind of formulate like some some basic questions that I have when I'm first looking into it. Like, well, what is a bacon protocol and yeah. and how does it work and what are the pros and cons? Um, and that's pretty much how I approach every article. You know, my main goal when I write is to provide as much value as possible to the people who are reading. So, I mean, any questions that pop into my head are the ones that I'm going to write about uh, just because it's all new to me. And I know the people reading it is probably going to be new to them especially with something as innovative as like, you know, NFT mortgages. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just the questions that I have, that's what I'm going to write about. So, you know, of course, CyberSkrilla, let's talk about that first. We never talked about this last time you came around, but how did the idea for CyberSkrilla kind of come about? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think it was about like January, February of 2021. Um, I bought the domain Cyberskrilla, and which I mean translates pretty much to like cyber money, right? right. Um, because you know Skrilla is slang. If you, I think you said you looked it up on Urban Dictionary, and it like means money or cash, um, which was always just like a word my friends and I used when we were younger. Um, and I know shorter domain names are harder to come by. And that just happened to be one that was available. So I bought it, I believe it was in February of 2021. And I didn't really know what I was going to do with the domain. I was actually going to create a website to help people earn money online. Um, but then at that same time, I started listening to Gary Vee and he started talking about NFTs. And I actually have another um, blog site. It's a travel site called MexicoTravelBuddy.com. Um, and I haven't written for it for a while because I've been so focused on um, nft content but i i had a idea of how to write blogs so once i started learning about nfts i was like i was like oh my gosh i need to 
I need to create a blog site that covers everything NFTs and Web3 because it is such a difficult you know, concept to wrap your mind around. And I know that people are going to have a lot of questions about it. And as early as I felt I was um, to cover some of the basics, I knew that when Google started to index the articles or um, like put them on their the front page of Google, that people would be searching for it because it takes about six months for um, yeah, for articles to start ranking yeah. on Google. So I was like, I need to get a head start. And from there, I just went all out and I started writing articles. I mean, you know, I'd wake up at three in the morning, three thirty in the morning, start writing articles before work. And I do the same thing when I get off work. Um, so that's really how it all came about. And that's how I've been approaching it still. Yeah. And I really love that like you, you kind of balance both things, right? Being able to yeah. still have your day job, but then being able to pursue this passion project on the side. And th- and then you've been very consistent with it because now you posted a, a tweet about this, uh, about like all the success you've had so far in as a result of the consistency that you've had, that you've had. Let's kind of talk about the general market right now. You also posted something about how it was a Google trend screenshot about the NFT search term and how it kind of, you know, took a little rise rally in, it did this in May with when VFriends came out, did this in, I think, December, January, November time, uh, a rally, especially in January until right now it's kind of on a pretty steep downward slope. Can you kind of go more into detail about that? Yeah, I mean, as far as like the overall market, I think um, it's something that that should be expected. Um, And really, I mean, Gary Vee has been talking about it since he started mentioning NFTs is that eventually when people create too much supply um, and there's not enough demand, the, I mean, the overall demand for NFTs goes down. But with that, it kind of brings a bad vibe to NFTs because people see like all these NFTs that they may have paid hundreds or even thousands of dollars for crashing down to $0. And then of course um, you'll see the media highlight some of that stuff and it kind of gives NFTs a bad name. Um, So, you know, a lot of people have, have that thought that, well, NFTs are like, they're just a scam. Um, There's no real value to them. And I feel like that's kind of what we're experiencing right now is there's just not, um, there's not a lot of demand and people aren't willing to educate themselves on the subject enough to actually to know, you know, the, the value that an NFT can actually have beyond just like a, you know, a JPEG profile picture. Because um, that's what a lot of the NFTs are currently are just profile picture projects, cash grabs with not a whole lot of value. And, um, you know, we're just seeing the result of all that finally coming and crashing down. And I think that's why some of the, the blue chip projects um, are staying higher. You know, V friends, obviously crypto punks are all maintaining a pretty steady floor price um, throughout this bear market. And I think it's just all an effect of the supply and demand. Yeah. And, and I think there's a big differentiation between normal market up and down cycles and, and then the big NFT winter or crash. Do you, at least in your own opinion, do you believe that this is the crash or just a crash? You know, it's kind of hard to say. I think there's just so much going on in the world with Ukraine and Russia um, and all that. And I think that actually has a lot to do with it because um, like you mentioned, how I posted that picture of 
NFTs on Google Trends. I just around kind of when everything started happening with Ukraine, um, it really took a plunge. And it really just comes down to people aren't searching for NFTs um, right now. And that could be because of a mixture of things. Um, so I couldn't say for sure if this is if this is the winter that we'll experience, but I think it's definitely part of it. And I don't know if it's going to be like, I don't know if the NFT winter is going to be like necessarily a, a set period, but it might be, um, you know, like multiple periods of time that we experience highs and lows. Um, and I think this is definitely a part of it. Have you been doing any buying lately? Um, I have not. The last last time I bought, um, and I think I mentioned it the last time I was talking with you guys, was um, this project called The Ghost of Frank Dukes, um, which was created by award-winning producer Frank Dukes, well, formerly known as Frank Dukes. Um, that was the last NFTs that I bought, um, really just because I go on kind of buying sprees and then I'll stop, slow down, because you know I only have a limited budget with what I can work with, so... I don't have much money I can spend on NFTs right now. Um, I will say, however, if you do your own research and you can find those potential blue chip projects, um, I think right now would be a good time to buy because the market is so low. But it just kind of depends. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend just going and aping into a random NFT project because yeah, it's yeah. only 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and before I forget, I know you're a reference holder. Is there any situation in which, other than like a personal emergency, that you would sell your friend? Um, yeah, I, I feel like I ask myself that question sometimes as well. I think, I think yes, I, I would. I'd, since I have four V friends, um, I think, you know, I might sell one or two. I don't think I'd sell all of them because I genuinely um, think that holding a V-Friend um, has more value than like, you know, monetary value. And I think even into the future, 5, 10, 20 years down the line, I think holding a V-Friend is going to have some huge benefits, whether that's the, the networking opportunities or um, maybe some kind of like revenue from what Gary's doing. But overall, I'd say I would consider selling some, but definitely not all of them. And you have four of them, so you'll be on your way to VCon, right? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I've already booked my my tickets and Airbnb. I think I booked it like six months ago, so I've been ready for a while. Yeah, it sounds, sounds really exciting. Who's your favorite person that you're looking forward to speaking slash performing? Well, that's tough. There are so many performers, and a lot of them are or like new there's like performers there's going to be new artists that are up and coming artists so i'm pretty excited to hear all of them um i mean honestly i'm excited to, to hear gary v live i've never i've never gone to one of his conferences i've just heard him through podcasts so i'm excited for that um i'd say everyone though i'm also excited to meet some of my colleagues from 137 because i haven't met any of them in person and i know a lot of them are going to be at vcon so i'm really excited that i get to meet them in person and kind of have that that you know further relationship with them. I guess one more VFriend related question before we, we get back to the things I prepared. Um, I'm sure you know about the VFriends too and how all your current VFriends are going to have, mm -hmm. you know, the evolved art. Yes. Yep. Do you have a, and have you, 
had the mental discussions with yourself yet about about what you're going to do there? Um, my my first kind of thought is like diamond hands. Um, I probably I'm not going to do much with it. I'm just going to sit on them and kind of see what the market does. Um, again, I don't think I'll I'll sell any of them. Um, and I I don't know. It kind of it gives me that strong Pokemon vibe. It's really nostalgic. And that alone, I'm just like, oh man, these are super cool. Like just having them in my my wallet is gonna be, you know, more valuable than any amount of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just yeah. I don't think I'll sell them. <laughs> that's smart. If I were in your position, I would be in the exact same boat. Let's get into metaverse. You've released a few articles about how do we invest in the metaverse. A lot of those involve, you know, metaverse land, metaverse assets, right? What about mm-hmm. Is there a way with a limited budget to kind of get yourself in the metaverse door? Do you know, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I know what you're saying. Um, I mean, that's, it's kind of difficult to say because it really depends on like what you're looking to do. If you're looking to just like buy an asset and hold on to it. I think your best bet is going to be to find an NFT project that incorporates the metaverse in some way, Um, just because buying land right now is probably equal to buying land in real life. And you're going to spend, you know, anywhere from 10 to hundreds of thousands of dollars for some virtual land. So I don't think that's realistic for someone who's just trying to get started. But I do believe like an NFT project between, you know, a couple hundred dollars and maybe a couple thousand dollars is going to be more realistic. Um, but other than that, there's other opportunities in the metaverse. The metaverse is going to create hundreds of thousands of jobs. Um, so the metaverse needs people to build, to build the entire structure of the metaverse and, um, people like Mark Zuckerberg already putting in money to pretty much pay to train people to build the metaverse. Um, so I'd say looking into like a job in the metaverse, whether you're actually building something or maybe even becoming an influencer in the metaverse. But I mean, I think it all starts with just kind of exploring similar to like when a new social media platform comes out, you want to, you want to get on there see what it's about and see kind of how to, how to use it. So I think like going to Decentraland or crypto voxels or Somnium space, and even just creating a free account and exploring the world and kind of, um, just seeing what kind of opportunities there are is a good way to start because a lot of those worlds allow you to build um, structures, um, which you could, if you learn how to build, you know, some structure in the metaverse, you can make a lot of money. I think I read an article where, you know, the average cost to build for someone to build something for you in the metaverse is between 10 to a hundred or $300,000 per job. So, um, wow. and especially because not a lot of people are doing it. If you have that skill, then you're going to be in high demand. So I really think just exploring the space um, is where you should start. And then also, if you have like your own brand, there are a lot of advertising opportunities um, in the metaverse. And as more people start to use the metaverse, you will be able to gain um, a lot of consumers from advertising in the metaverse. I mean, there's virtual billboards um, going back to being an influence in the metaverse. There's a lot of options. And maybe they're not, they're not necessarily the thing right now. I think um, looking into the future, I think they will be in the next five to 10 years. You know, 
people have been saying for years, like 30 or however many percent of jobs currently are going to be inexistent, non-existent in, in a few years. Right. And, and, I, and a lot of people talk about like AI as part of that, but there's also a, the thing of new emerging industries like Web3 metaverse. You talked about like metaverse jobs other than, you know, coding jobs. I, I feel like I read something about a, a police force in the metaverse. What are yep. some of these other like really, really kind of almost crazy jobs that people can actually work at in the metaverse? Not just now, but in, in a few years when it becomes more mainstream. Well, I think, I mean, look, the metaverse is going to be everything the real world is plus more because, you know, the metaverse doesn't have gravity. The laws of physics, laws of physics don't apply. So everything that we do in the real world, we're going to need to do in the metaverse too. So that's going to be customer service, um, retail. Um, I mean, everything, like literally anything we're probably going to be doing it in the metaverse as well. Um, I mean, the opportunities are, are endless, I'd say. But that's why I say just get started and kind of learn how to navigate the metaverse because eventually I think, you know, a lot of people are going to be working like at a little shop in the metaverse selling, yeah, you know, yeah. virtual shoes or something <laughs> like, like something as basic, basic as that, I think is very realistic in the next 10 years. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really interesting thing seeing the metaverse kind of come about and it's had its up and downs, right? There's And there's still a lot of skepticism about the metaverse, definitely. Um, I feel like the metaverse has been somewhat quiet lately, uh, but I guess you could say the same thing with NFTs and the entire crypto world at the moment. Um, you know, how does the metaverse, though, get past that skepticism? How does it convince those who have don't have a lot of understanding of the metaverse and have a lot of skepticism about it, how can they be convinced that it's not just a bad thing? I think it's not so much convincing as it is conviction when people start using the metaverse. And I mean, like the same, the same thing that happened with social media, like a lot of people or even the internet were, were kind of, you know, skeptical to use it but eventually it just becomes the way of the world. And when everyone starts hanging out in the metaverse and, you know, someone like meta or whoever it may be comes along and creates a really user-friendly interface that you just like throw on some sunglasses and you're in like a completely different world with your friends. Um, I think something like that will just naturally bring people in and it won't necessarily, we won't have to convince anyone. It'll just be like a natural flow. Um, and the new way of life. And I mean, we already spend a majority of our time staring at a screen every day. And I don't think it's going to be much difference. Um, you know, when the metaverse really takes off, we're going to be spending a lot more of our time in the metaverse, especially when people um, are going to work in the metaverse, because it's going to be crazy. And the, the cool thing is there's some really cool things about the metaverse. Like the article I just wrote on um, seven ways the metaverse will change our lives. I, I kind of asked a question. I was like, have you ever wondered if teleportation or time travel would become a reality That's in true. the metaverse? It is because you can literally yeah. teleport to an entire different city. And yeah, yeah. You could really go to like any time. Um, if that world exists, like if there was a dinosaur world, you could teleport there and you'd be living with the dinosaurs. 
do you think I mean of course there's there's kind of a a balance between the real world and the metaverse. You know, if you spend however much time you spend in one diminishes the amount of time you spend in the other. And I have always compared the metaverse to kind of Ready Player One. I, I read the book in, you know, in eighth tenth, ninth grade, ninth grade, and that kind of stuck with me. Do you think there will be a really big like distortion in the value people place in the real world when the metaverse comes about? Um, I think to some extent, yes. Kind of like, you know, people walk around staring at their phones already. Um, I don't, I think it'll be similar in the metaverse. Um, people will spend more time there. Ultimately it comes down to just making a choice. Like, you know, if you're spending too much time and you feel like you need a break, then you need to take off your VR goggles and go outside for a walk. Um, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of people will kind of be, I wouldn't say addicted, but I think a lot of people are going to spend a majority of their time in the metaverse. Um, once it gets to that like stage where it's really easy to access and it's fun and you can actually like do stuff. Um, right now there's not a lot of people in the metaverse. So it's kind of lonely when you go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think I went to Decentraland like twice and I was so confused and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, I'm relatively young. So I'm not like, you know, I'm relatively young. I've been generally pretty good with tech, and I was kind of walking around the metaverse and or, uh, Decentraland, and I went down that tunnel in the lobby, and I was so <laughs> I was kind of walking around, and it got like boring after five minutes. And here's a, a really broad question that just came to my mind. Initially, it was like, if people can travel however much they want in the metaverse, right? Then they can go quote unquote see their parents who live in a different quote-unquote country in the metaverse right mm -hmm. and then it was like would that diminish the value of real world travel but then the question kind of became in the metaverse everything is digital right for example it doesn't cost feel you know physical feel to go from point a to point b do you think there'll kind of be a capitalist and i, I know Web3 is all about decentralization. Do you think there'll ever be kind of a, a capitalistic approach to the metaverse? You need to pay $20 to transport here or, or $20, 20 mana to transfer here. You need to pay. Do you think that'll ever come to true or, or will it always be just super decentralized? Um, I would say that, yes, I think you're right. I think, um, especially because it's decentralized since people have the power to really do whatever they want. Like if you want to come to their town or their building and you have to pay some crypto to enter, I think no doubt people are going to monetize that. And, you know, I, I could see someone like, like a company like Meta uh, monetizing, especially starting out because, you know, to they're doing a lot and they're putting hundreds, if not billions of dollars into developing the metaverse and they need to make that money back. Um, and I know there's a lot of different ways you can monetize, but I think travel will be monetized. Um, and I'm not sure how yet, but I know if you're traveling to a place and there's a lot of value to be had in that place, whether it's an event or like a conference of some sort, um, and because it's digital, kind of like 
you know, like when you play a video game and you haven't unlocked a certain part of the map, like you have to, yeah, yeah. you have to complete all the quests first. I think it might be something similar, but instead of completing a bunch of quests, it's like, oh, you got to pay 0.02 ETH if you want to come in here. Um, I definitely see that being a reality. Yeah. And it, it should, it, it'll definitely be really cool. I was one of those kids who played a lot of Minecraft. And so I was, I loved being able to create my own like Disneyland and my own like country even I would build like a kingdom for myself and then the dream was that people would be able to come in here and like live here and I was the president of of this country and 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 but like that wasn't a reality back then I never thought for a second that could actually come true one day but I suppose it's very possible not even in a in a few years it, it could be possible in you know two three years that like I can create my own hypothetical country in the metaverse buy up a giant plot of land have all these celebrities yeah. come i'm the president i can do whatever i want or i guess it's a dictatorship but um like that's a, a big possibility uh, and I, I find that really yeah. fascinating but were you one of those kids when you were young um honestly like as far as playing minecraft and kind of like i definitely created things where i was like where, you know, I did, I like imagine I was like the leader and like, hey, this is my town. Yeah. I wouldn't say Minecraft was my main thing. I actually started, I didn't play Minecraft for the first time until probably, I don't know, four years ago. So I was 23. Um, I was more like, I was really into Pokemon and like violent games like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> so it was kind of like a different feel versus Minecraft, but I definitely always like building things. Um, like I played Sims a lot when oh, I was yes. really young yep. and that was kind of similar. Like I built a big old house and, um, you know, just kind of, kind of fun stuff, but, but I don't know. That's a kind of interesting, like you're right. Building your own country and being your own leader is like a really interesting thought. And I think that could cause a lot of issues potentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, depending and, how that plays out. And, and even like Sims, right? Sims, but with the real life consequences in, in that you can play Sims, but the money you earn, the money you spend has equivalent value to the U.S. dollar, for example. It's, it's such an interesting thing, you know, being able to like you're building this digital house with currency that's actually real money that you can. It's such a fascinating thing. Let's get into the NFT world before we run out of, we run out of time. Um, I know it's a little bit on the downhill right now like we talked about earlier but you said do a ton of work with interviewing and we love everything you do interviewing founders of projects and and, and it really is great to hear the insight behind these people so we asked this in the last interview about you know do you th ever feel that there's a person that is particularly convicted like how does uh, how does what's that word convicted or, or something to go accomplish their goal. I'm pretty sure that's the wrong word. What is <laughs> what is the trait there that, that makes them so special and, and that gives you so much confidence that they're going to execute? I think it really just comes down to intent. Like you can kind of tell when someone is really passionate about what they do versus someone who's just like, oh yeah, um, I've got these NFTs and you know, it's really cool art and I'm going to sell it. Like when someone, when you can see like the gears turning in someone's head when they're talking 
and like they're getting excited about it, that gets me excited. And if I'm getting excited, then other people are going to get excited. And you may not know if, if someone's going to be able to execute exactly on, on what they say, but I think the fact that they're willing to try to execute and that they're going to give it their all, I think that's kind of what I personally bet on um, versus someone who's just like, well, if this NFT project doesn't work out, then, you know, that sucks, but I'll just move on to something else. Like there's people that are like, you know, this is my love. This is my passion. This is what I was born to do. And those are the people that, that I feel like I bet on um, because I feel like I'm one of those people myself. And, you know, that's just, that's what interests me. And that's what I believe in. And, you know, if it does end up failing, that's okay too, because that's just part of the process ultimately. Yeah, for sure. It's, and, and there's def, it's definitely a huge game of betting on the founders, betting on the people to execute, right? And uh, and all the people that you interview, not just the ones that you think are going to be successful, but all of them, one way or the other, learned about NFTs and, and Web3 and crypto and decided to take a risk and go execute on it. Have you ever got the chance to, to ask them, like, what attracted them to the prospect of NFTs? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've gotten the kind of like the ends of why people get started in NFTs. And I think I'd say probably the number one thing is just out of pure curiosity. Um, it's something new. It's something exciting. And it's something innovating that, you know, is obviously um, looking like it's going to be the future. And again, it kind of goes back to the the conviction over convincing, like when you see other people doing it and doing really cool things with it, or even, you know, making a lot of money, if that's what you're into, then you're instantly attracted to that. And of course, different people are attracted to different aspects of NFTs. But I think a lot of it just comes out of the, the curiosity of like, well, what can I do? What can I do with NFTs, you know? Um, because the world of NFTs, because it is so new and because there is so much unknown, we kind of get to to develop and build how the future of NFTs is going to look like, um, how it's going to work. And I think that's really exciting, like especially a lot of people in the NFT space are entrepreneurs, I feel like, or they, they're inspiring entrepreneurs. And I think like NFTs just seem like a perfect platform um, for entrepreneurs or people who wish to try to build something. You don't have to go out and get like a business license or yeah. buy a LLC or do anything like that. You just, you know, build a brand using the internet. So all these people and a lot of them started pretty early on in the NFT world. And back, before, back then there wasn't a huge general interest in the public and what these NFTs were. It was still a, a really niche thing. Did in your conversations with these founders... Did any of them expect that their projects, that they were just, you know, you know, trying something out, releasing their art, you know, putting this together, and then they end up coming away with a, a few more than that, like a few hundred million dollar projects that are, you know, with hundreds and thousands of followers and, and like building something for themselves so powerful on something they were trying out. Did any, do, do a lot of them ex expect that had to happen or are they all just as equally surprised of, of how these NFTs have changed life? Um, 
I don't think I don't think most of them expected it. I think people were a lot of them are more using NFTs as their their kind of like creative outlet. Um, you know, just like you can use social media to build your brand. I think just the fact that they had an opportunity to do something and that they were already um, consistently doing things they love and then they just kind of incorporated NFTs. I think a lot of the the success was surprising to a lot of them and some some haven't hit that level yet. You know, some are still very early on in their journey and they're hopeful, but they don't they don't know what the future holds for sure. But it goes back to the passion they have. They're just excited um, about the potential. And some people like I interviewed Alex um, Stemp today. He's an influencer with 23 million followers across TikTok, Instagram youtube and you know he he acquired all those followers before he ever got into nfts so it's kind of different for him you know because he he had the followers and now he is transitioning into web3 nfts um so that's kind of the cool thing is like it's it's for everyone it's not just for a specific group of people like whether you're new to the space or um you know you've been in it for years there's a lot of opportunity and there will be a lot more opportunity to come in the next however long, 20, 40 years. I have a fun question for you. I, I don't know if anything's in the works for a, a CyberScrilla NFT, but if you, Alex, could make an NFT project right now, uh, or, or had to, if you had to make an NFT project right now, what would it kind of be about? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. It's kind of It's kind of a difficult one because... You know, I've thought about creating my own NFT project since I got started in NFTs in, in February of, of 2021, but um, I was actually giving it some thought today. And I think if I made an NFT project, because like my, the main question I asked myself is like, okay, I can create an NFT project, but what what's going to be the value offer? Like what kind of value can I give to people? And I don't have a huge social media following. Um, I don't have a, a huge business or brand. I'm still very small. So I think if I created an NFT, it would be something um, curated around writing and potentially offering um, like some form of class on how to create your own like blog site, how to write blogs, how to, um, how to do SEO, kind of like internet marketing for writers, I think would be something that a way I could provide value to my holders. Um, that was just something I was brainstorming earlier today. So I think that'd be something kind of fun, but I definitely will do an NFT project in the future. Um, I don't think I'm at a point where I feel comfortable doing that yet because when I make an NFT project, I want to be able to put um, all my time into it and all my resources. And I feel like right now is not the time for that because I'm focused on um, a lot of other other things right now. So. Yeah, for sure. I think that, that would be a really cool thing. And and on that note, right, I, I read another, I've been on Twitter quite a bit lately, uh, as you could probably might be able to tell from this interview. I read another thread that was basically talking about how in 2000, internet era, basically you could attach .com to anything, you know, pets.com, insurance.com, you know, and yep. you could attach this internet or .com to any any industry, any activity, and you could see it blow up. And 
there's something similar with NFTs. You, could, you know, NFT insurance, NFT mortgage, NFT. And I love these ideas. They're really great ideas. Do you think they'll all, you know, when you go really arbitrary, NFT. I, I like NFT golf courses, but NFT pet kennels, NFT, you know, do you think they'll all kind of come crashing down again? And then we'll see in five, 10 years, someone else take the idea when the market's a lot more mature, you know, and create like a pet smart out of it. Yeah. So like, are you talking about like the actual, like the actual concept of creating like a, a pet store that is NFT based or like an NFT based website that is for pet stores? Well, cause I, I kind of rephrase it. Do you think that right now when you could really attach what or crypto, anything like crypto insurance, crypto mm. mortgages, crypt, and you can attach just blockchain crypto to any industry kind of similar to the internet. And as we now know, you know, there, the internet has provided access to all these different industries and changed them. And so I'm pretty sure a lot of us agree that the web three will change so many industries in the next you know few years. Uh, but is there kind of a, a crash coming when you attach NFTs and crypto to, to literally everything? I don't think it'll be a crash um, in the macro. Like, like, you know, obviously NFTs are going to be around for a long time in the macro aspect. Um, I think it'll come down or come back more to like the founders, you know, is this person able to execute in building a business? Because at the end of the day, like NFTs aren't much different from building a business. And actually just saw a tweet from Gary today, um, or maybe it was someone quoting Gary, but basically if you're a business and you aren't, you know, utilizing NFTs in the near future, that's going to have a huge effect on you. It's like if a business weren't using the internet today, they probably would not be that successful because all right. the attention is on the internet. So I think if someone were to create NFTs around, say, a pet store or like pet kennels, um, it's going to come down to like what value are they offering and how are they sharing that value and and sharing their story with the rest of the world? Because that's, I mean, that's how you do it. Um, NFTs aren't aren't like, you know, the deciding factor is going to come down to the person, what they're offering and how they're letting the world know about it. Um, Cause I think every single business will be using NFTs for everything. Like whether you're going to the store, maybe your receipt will be in an NFT form and you know, NFTs will be looked at a lot differently as well. It's like NFTs now are collectibles investments, but in the future, it's just going to be like, you know, instead of a, a paper ticket stub, it's going to be a digital ticket stub. It's not going to be like something amazing. Um, it's really like, you know, it's like, uh, like a basketball ticket to a game. It's like not every basketball ticket is worth money, but those ones that was like a very significant game um, in history, like those tickets could potentially be worth a lot more just because there's significance um, in history. And that's kind of like the same way with brands. Like, are they building a name for themselves or are they just making NFTs and, you know, that's it. Yeah. And there's there's so many applications to, to NFTs that you just talked about. You know, Tom Brady's last game against the Rams, my favorite team, um, his last game in February now, where he, and after that game, he retired. 
I was trying to go around and like messaging every random person on the Buccaneers and Rams Reddit boards uh, if anyone <laughs> could sell me the ticket stub to that that game. And this was slightly before the news it was announced. So, you know, for just sure. random ticket stub. I thought someone might give it away for 10, 20 bucks. Uh, but but everyone said that they would like they might be open to it, but they use a digital ticket. Like they just had, you know, game time or, or, or ticket stub and they had just the ticket, the the QR code. Yeah. But then imagine right. if that was an NFT, how valuable that would be. Exactly. And and it's transferable as well. Uh, and that and same thing with I'm sure you've heard about StockX and what they're doing with their sneakers where where instead of buying the it's kind of more or less the same thing. When you buy a StockX, you're buying an IOU, right? But then turning right. that into a, a transferable asset that makes everything so, so much easier. Um, and then and then even with GoFundMe and creating blockchain yeah. donation systems, it's, it's really, really interesting. Uh, and I, I'm excited to see how this will all work out. But thank you so much, Alex, for coming on the show today. It was great having you. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Um, I definitely like to to come on again in the future sometime. Maybe when there's some more developments and yeah, and you know, Web three somewhere that'd be awesome. Hey Ben. Yeah. You know what just really puts a smile on my face whenever we do our podcasts? What? Uh, when people leave a review, because I just love the positive information, oh, the yeah. positivity reviews that people give, because it really puts a smile on my face. And I really, yeah, um, that's really one of the things that helps me keep going in the NFT community, because there can be a lot of hate in this world. So whenever you just leave a review with a nice positive message, it really puts a smile on our face. And we're glad that you're supporting our brand. So we just want to thank the people that gave us a review. And we would love it if you listening would give a review if you haven't already.